this tweet just in from President Trump? Are you ready for this meeting? of not. Uh, for those visiting us for the first time, my name is Efren Peña. I am the campus pastor here at Southfield Santa Clarita, uh, where the coffee is always fresh and the donut holes are plenty. Uh, so you enjoy that. Uh, we are a, a church of uh, multi-site church. We have several campuses throughout uh, the California and the world. And uh, we are just one of 11 campuses that is having service today. And uh, we want to say welcome. Um, today we are kicking off a brand new series, and I'm so excited uh, to start this new series with you because it kind of piggybacks off of last week's uh, end of year message that I gave uh, about goals and, and expectations and aspirations in life. And so today we're kicking off this series called The Cost of Not. And, and, it, and when you've you got to read that a few times, it's kind of like trying to figure it out. Is it a tongue twister? Is it... What are we trying to say here? And so, but let me share with you uh, a quick synopsis of what this series will entail over the next several weeks. Now, each new year, it, it, it is a full is full of possibility and potential. It's also full of pressure. Most of us have some idea of who we want to be and what we want to do, but we've also got this elaborate mental list of who we feel we have to be and what we have to do. Now, these lists don't always overlap in life. They're kind of like two different lists there. And it's not like we have an infinite time of, uh, an infinite amount of time or energy. Um, we can't be and do it all, right? And so there comes the pressure of trying to figure out who do we want to be how do we go about doing it, the things that we want to do, and do we have the time and the energy to do that? A new year can feel exciting yet overwhelming. So how do you do, how do you do, or how do you know what to do? How do you know what to pursue in this new year? And how do you follow through and stay on task, right, to accomplish that? What would it look like to get to the end of this year with the satisfaction of having lived it well? Not just okay, but going to the end of 2020 saying, man, I lived this past year well. I lived it on purpose. I lived it with a big picture in mind. I lived it by design, not by default. And that's what this series is about. The Word of God promises that, that He has a plan for each and every single one of us. A purpose for each and every single one of us to fulfill in life. But for, for too many years we've derailed. For too many years we've been uh, sidetracked, if you would. And not fulfilling. And we've come to the end of the year and we're like, oh, I didn't accomplish much. And so this this is the series that we wanted to start this year off with. And so today's message under the cost of not is identifying your values. That's the title of today's message. 
identifying your values. And like always, I like to, to get your, your noggin juices uh, uh, flowing with a question. The question is real simple, and it's this. Have you ever had a time where you got to the end of the day feeling like you got nothing done? Like you, 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 you set out your day, and you get home, and, and you sit down, and you Actually, I didn't, I didn't do anything today. Even though you, you did stuff all day long, right? It's not like you sat on the couch and flicked through the channels, right? Uh, or, 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 you know, you, you, you actually did stuff, but you feel at the end of the day as if you did not accomplish much. It was just stuff you didn't want or need to do. Anybody? Yeah. I know the story. It's the story of our lives. We all do. If you sit there and you're sitting here, but no, that never happens to me. You're lying. And you're in church. Because we, we I'm not saying that happens all of the time, but, but we've all gone, come home from a long day and we're like, ah, and you think about how you, you feel so tired and, what, and you think about all the things you've done and you feel like you didn't accomplish anything. And it's bad enough at the end of a day, but it's even worse at the end of a week, maybe at the end of the month, or even a year. And you look back and be like, where did it go? What did I accomplish? What did I do that, that, that was of value? What did I do that mattered? Right? I, <laughs> I have this, you know, in my office, if you've been to my office, I, I have my desk, and my desk faces the door opening, and, I, and my computer is on there. And, um, but I have this big window to the right. And I'm like, Dory from, from Nebo. Like anything moves, I'm like, mm. <laughs> the truck came in, all oh, the garbage truck came in. It's cool. Oh, look at the UPS guy. You know, I get easily distracted, right? And I know I got stuff to do, right? And so it's like the kids come out from the preschool, they, they're running around, I'm like, just waving at them. I just get easily distracted. Right? And so this year, I'm actually trying to position the computer over here so that maybe I can get more work done. Right? But they're, they're, we get easily distracted. And it's not just upsetting. It's actually confusing. Because you had a plan. I had a plan. You did stuff. I did stuff. You just didn't do any of the stuff that you planned. Right? And this is the culture that we live in, folks. This is society today. We're all busy doing, but we don't necessarily like who we're becoming. We're constantly doing something, busy doing something. I have an agenda. I have a schedule. Got to be here. Got to be there. Run the kids here. Run the kids there. Do this. Cook, clean. What? You know, you have this incredible agenda that it, your calendar is full, necessarily, deep down inside, and you're busy doing things, but you don't necessarily, deep down inside, you don't necessarily like the person that you're becoming. Ever get so overwhelmed with everything you have to do that you don't wind up doing anything? It's like, much, I gotta get this done, I gotta get that done, I gotta get that done. And then next thing you know, it's the end of the day and you're still scratching your head. Like, I didn't do anything. Or at least anything that matters, which is easier to do now than ever, right? doing things that don't matter. We live in an incredibly 
distractible age. Every movie, song, game, event, clip, a person, or idea that exists is in your pocket at all times. Right? How many of you just start with Facebook and be like, oh, I'm just see what my friend's doing today. Next thing you know, you're watching videos from you don't know who, and you're like, you're like 30 clicks into it, and you don't know how you got there. But you got there, right? Especially when it's constantly notifying us with pings, beeps, and buzzes that we're definitely missing out on something. You're missing out on something amazing. How many of you have the Ring app? Right, that little ring's a little, little, little camera that notifies you that someone's at your door. I have that, and so does Wendy, uh, in my office, and and so it notifies you every time somebody comes by your door, and so it has, you know, if you don't change it, it has the same sound, right? So me and Wendy are like, that wasn't me, that wasn't me. Actually, it's never me; it's always Wendy, right? I was like, Wendy, Wendy got a busy house. I was like, you see, that thing is all going off all the time. But it, the, the notifications come, right? We all have notifications on Facebook and social media and different things. When an email comes in, we're constantly being notified that something is happening and you're not part of it, right? And so what do you do immediately when you hear the beat? And even if you, you try to put it on vibrate, you try to quiet down, that thing is like, Right? You hear it. I was like, how, you're deaf if you can't hear it, right? The average, there's some statistics that are going to blow you away. The average user touches their phone 2,617 times a day. Sticky fingers. Right? And is on their phone for more than two and a half hours over a course of 76 sessions. In other words, every time you're on the phone for, for a few, right, that's a session, right? Whether to check who called, whether to check your voicemail, check social media, play video game, whatever, that's a session. And over 76 times a day, you have picked up to do a session. Now, the touches is this, right? You like this, you type, right? Those are the, the, the touches. And, and, and that's smartphone users. Some of you are not in the smartphone age. I get that, right? Uh, but most of are. If you isolate the millennials, which there are quite a few of you here, right, that amount doubles. My daughter, I don't know if she ever looks any, like, she's on this, like this. Like, I don't know, at first I thought she was just looking at her reflection, right? But she's like, she's, she's, she's communicating with the world on this, right? Technologists are telling us that virtually every device and app is being intentionally engineered to foster distraction and addiction. We now live in what's called an attention economy. An attention economy. What does that mean? Well, attention is the most valuable commodity we have because it is so difficult to capture. In fact, our attention span is dropping with each passing year. In 2000, before the digital revolution, it was about 12 seconds. In other words, your attention span was about 12 seconds long. Okay? It's now dropped to less than eight. That's one second shorter than a goldfish. 
Have you know if anybody have a go fridge before? No matter how much you tap on that window, that go fridge is not gonna stay there. Like, yeah. <laughs> right? And then there's the expectations of others. So not only is is the world trying to grab our attention, right? Through social, you know, through through a device like this, there are the expectations of others. Men are expected to contribute more domestically in the home. And women are expected to contribute more financially. Yet neither new expectation is instead of, but in addition to. In addition to what was already expected. So now we're just adding layers of expectations of things tugging at your time, at your attention. Most of us have the sense that most of the time that we're supposed to be doing something other than what we're currently doing that has to get done but aren't quite sure what that something is. So we know that, that what's expected of us, we should be doing it, but it's different than what we're really doing and we're still trying to figure out how all that plays out. You see, we're busy driven by the urgent, the not important. We're more reactive than proactive. In other words, you are just reacting like a pinball in a game as opposed to telling yourself where you need to be or doing the things that you need to be, right? You're you're bouncing from left side to the right side, all of which leave us feeling like I don't like my life, but I'm trapped. I don't know how to figure this out. I don't like this ping pong thing. I don't like spending my attention uh, with other things. And I want to do what I want to do. I want to I set my heart to do these things, accomplish these things. But life is just grabbing a hold of me. And I don't know how to, how to take grab a hold of life. Yet despite how technology has exaggerated this reality, it's always been a problem. History has shown us that the same problem we have today, people had back then. Luke chapter 10, verse 41 says, but the Lord said to, to, he was speaking to Mary and Martha. Many of you probably read this story. They were getting, Mary and Martha were preparing for Jesus' visit. And, um, And so he says to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over flustered. You you, you don't realize how worried and upset we are or how much our anxiety and uh, distractibility have turned us into somebody we don't want to be. We don't don't pick up the signs. We're We're so easily distracted. We're so easily focus on other things that we don't realize that the things that we should be paying attention to are actually not getting that attention. And we don't realize that until someone or something points it out. Sometimes it's a person and sometimes it's the end of a season. And that can hurt. And in that moment, 
we realize we haven't been paying attention to what matters most. Think about what matters most to you. Think about whether it's a person or a thing. Think about what matters most to you. And are you paying the attention that it so rightfully deserves? Here's the thing. Distractions have and always will exist. I'm not going to share something with you today that says, man, distractions are going to be gone forever and ever. That would be lying, and I'm not going to do that today. I need you to come back next week, right? But the question is, why are we so distractible? Why do we, you know, follow the shining light? Why do we easily get swayed to do other things that, that really don't serve a purpose in our life. So let's start off by defining distraction. Distraction is the desire to avoid or escape reality. The desire to avoid or escape reality. An external excuse to not have to deal with the deeper internal dysfunction we don't want to face. Oh, ouch, pastor. That hurts. I got stuff on the dictionary. Don't believe me. But that is what distraction is. So what, what are we trying to distract ourselves? What reality are we trying to move away from, not pay attention to, right? Distractions like the fear of commitment or the fear of failure. Knowing that getting where you want to go will take longer than what you want to take. The fear of knowing the resistance that you'll have to encounter when pursuing after something. In other words, it's not going to be as easy as you thought it would. Or the fear of disappointing others, falling short of expectations, or letting other people down. And so... In order, so, so because we don't want to face these fears, we do things like watch Oprah, right? Or we watch shows on TV or play video games or, or do other things because we don't want to live in the reality that we are facing every single day. But check this out. The growth you will experience is limited to the level of pain you're willing to endure. In other words, if, you're, if you want to grow, if you want to succeed, if you want to accomplish your goals and expectations, you're going to have to figure this out because it's going to require you to go through some stuff. It's going to require you to endure some pain, some difficult moments. It's going to require you to face your fears. Well, pastor, that's going to hurt. Oh, yeah, it will. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And so this morning, I just want to, to bring us all to the, same, to the same level to figure out why are we so distracted and is it worth the pain that it requires us to go through? Is it worth the challenges that we need to go through in order to achieve the things that we want to achieve? Unfortunately, our culture is more willing than willing 
excuse me, our culture is more than willing to step in and help us escape, right? We live in a society that is quick to, to bring about distraction and things to escape the reality that you're in, right? I, and it's, uh, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I want to go on vacation and get away from it all. You, we all take these breaks to, to get us away from our jobs and our families and all of this stuff. I get that, right? But there are so many things trying to get us, right, trying to take us away and, it's, and, and it, uh, break us away from the reality. You don't need to face and deal with, you don't need to face that. You don't need to deal with that. You don't need to muscle through that. You don't need to work on that. You don't need to surrender to that. You don't need to stick with that. You go ahead, take the easy way out. This is much better, right? It's, it doesn't cost you anything. For $9.99, you know, all of these things are vying for your attention. So in short, time management is pain management. You want to be better at managing your time? Then you have to be better at managing your pain. You're going to have to figure this out. The big question is, am I willing to face the pain necessary to become who I'm meant to be with the limited time available to me? Am I willing to go through this in order to accomplish that which I know is in my heart, that which I want to accomplish? As the psalmist said, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Let us understand. Teach me that life is too short to be wasted doing nonsense, to doing things that don't really matter. So that I may grow in wisdom. Now our main character in this story that we're going to be uh, um, using or going through, dissecting, is Daniel. Daniel uh, is a noble and righteous young Jewish man teenager uh, from the Old Testament. And I want to encourage you uh, to go find that book and read it. Uh, it's, it'll be jumping in and out, but I'll give you a quick uh, 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 backstory. He has a great, great backstory that's filled with drama. Uh, things like his nation, his country fails. Uh, his temple is ransacked. His uh, cities are, are, are burned. His friends and families are murdered. He's kidnapped and forced to serve those who did all of this to him, right? King Nebuchadnezzar is the, is the one that takes everything from him, and he is forced to serve under King Nebuchadnezzar. And again, I encourage you to read the story, but I'm going to jump in and out uh, of, of some of the stories that, that pertain to the message. And, and you know, think about it. All of, the, all of these things are happening to this young man. And first... Uh, the Daniel chapter 1, verse 11 to 14 says, Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and, and Azariah. Now, he's already, been, he's already been captured. He's already been captured, and he is under the, the rule of the king. And so he's been appointed someone to watch over this group. And... Um, Daniel says, 
please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. So the king wants to build these kids up, wants to get them strong and vibrant and healthy and ready to go. And, and Daniel was like, man, I don't know if that's going to work. And so I'm going to try to figure this out. That's, that's not going to fit my plans. So I'm going to suggest that they do something differently. Give me the vegetables and water. Put me on that kind of diet. And for 10 days, then you can test and see if it worked. Right? Here's the thing. It's assumed that Daniel will just do what he's told to do because he's captive. He's a slave. He's going to do what he's being told to do, what everyone else is doing. But that's not who Daniel is. Those aren't his values. And he has the boldness to speak up, to talk about what he felt he needed to do. What he felt um, he needed to be the best version to do, to be the best version of himself. In fact, he believed that he would contribute at a higher level if he cared himself, cared for himself in this way. So here's Daniel. They're saying, this is what you need to do. And Daniel's like, uh-uh. I know what's best. For, in order to accomplish what I need to accomplish, I need to do it this way. And this is impressive, right? This is impressive because think about it. The more that we have access to, the more excess we have. And the more excess we have, the harder it is to deny ourselves. Think about that concept in your life. The more that you have access to, right, the more things that you can get, the more things you're going to have in excess. And then it's going to create a harder a harder opportunity. There's going to be no opportunity really for you to try to deny yourself these things. So, my wife says, don't bring the enemy home. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. I, I, I'll admit I have addiction to Coca-Cola. I didn't want to say Coke because some of you are going to go the wrong way. Yeah, I need you to come back next week. So I have an addiction to Coca-Cola. I like it. It's my choice, my drink of choice. I drink it as often as I can get my hands on it. So my wife says, don't bring the enemy home. Now you understand. Don't bring the Coke home. Coca-Cola. Okay? And so over the last few months, I've been doing my very best to not bring the enemy home. Because if I bring the enemy home, then it's easy to... Right? And so this is impressive because, again, the more that we have access to, the more we have in excess, the harder it is to deny ourselves. You see my story, how it plays in? Daniel chapter 3, and this is, this is King Nebuchadnezzar's big old statue. It says uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall. That's huge. And 90 feet wide, that's wide, and set it up on the uh, plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, 
magistrates, and all the provincial officers to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. Verse 3. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. I can imagine. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the zither, the pipes, and all that stuff, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. So this was, this was it. This was the rule. This is what everyone had to abide by. When you hear a musical instrument blowing or playing, you need to stop what you're doing, get on the ground, and worship the statue. Again, Daniel don't play that. This is not something Daniel was, was going to agree to. He was put in a situation where what was expected, even demanded from him, isn't healthy. So he graciously builds a boundary, even though everyone else is doing what was being asked of them. Everyone was going along with what was being told to do. Now listen, how do we apply what Daniel's doing here? If you're doing what everyone else is doing, and it's not working for you, then maybe, then maybe it's time to try something because for so long you have followed the crowd. For so long you have done what others have told you what to do. For so long you thought, man, if it worked for Bob, if it worked for Wilma, if it worked for Barney, if it worked for Fred. Did I get that? Okay. Then it has to work for me. But that is not always the case. That is not always the case because so many times we go out to do what someone else is doing and it does not work for you. Then I want to encourage you that it's time to start doing something else. Because truthfully, much of what will bring you peace, much of what is going to bring you comfort and joy will initially sound nonsensical. It's going gonna, it's gonna to sound crazy. It's going to sound illogical because it's profoundly countercultural. In other words, most of, 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 of doing what God is calling us to do is going to sound crazy because it goes against the normal grain. It goes against what society and our culture is trying to tell us. Right? I keep telling my, <laughs> I keep telling my, my, my daughter, not everyone who's on making a YouTube video is going to be successful. It doesn't just work that way. You can't just start recording stuff and it's gonna, you're going to be successful and be a YouTuber and make millions and millions of dollars. It doesn't work that way. you got to find your track, your path, and begin to work at that, what God has purposed you for life. And in then, in doing so, 
you will see success. Daniel's story is particularly fascinating because it is so exaggerated. The stakes are so high for him. His life is on the line. At any minute, they could cut his throat. At any minute, they can kill him. At any minute, they can do away with him just for being disrespectful, just for not going with the norm, with the flow. Because everyone is doing it. So how is he able to stay focused? How is he able to stay on track? First Daniel, uh, Daniel uh, chapter 1, verse 8 says, But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. He asked his chief of staff for permission, was determined. See, it didn't just happen at that spur of the moment. It didn't just like get hit with a stone and be like, oh, I'm not going to eat that right now, right? No, it, he, he made a predetermined choice. He wasn't making a decision in the moment. He had already predecided way before he got there that this was going to going go the way he wanted to. He wanted. Friends, knowing what you need to do is first uh, is about first knowing who you want to be. In order to get to where you want to go, you need to find out who you are, what you're trying to accomplish. In order to plan out 2020 for you, set goals and expectations, you're going to have to figure this part out. Who do you want to be? If you don't want to be who everyone else is, then don't do what everyone else is doing. It is that simple. If you don't want to be who everyone else is, then you got to stop doing what everyone else is doing. You design your life according to who God made you to be. When I first got called into ministry, I remember it like it was yesterday. I've been serving and, and walking in ministry for close to 20 years. And I remember I was on the corner of Fairfax and Saint Mo uh, 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 Saint Monica, Monica Boulevard, right, in Hollywood. And I felt that calling of God. God had already been started speaking. I had already given my heart to Jesus. And God started filling me with this, this idea of serving him in ministry. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And I said, God, Man, if this is what you're calling me to do, if this is what you're really calling me to do, then we got to talk. Because I am not a big Bible-carrying, soapbox-standing, screaming preacher, tie-wearing guy. That's just not me. And if I've learned anything over the last several years, I've learned that you have gifted me with abilities and talents and that you have a purpose for those gifts and those talents that you've equipped me with, but you also made me a certain way. The word says that you have made me in your image, right? right? But you've given me unique talents and abilities, so I don't look like everyone else. So if you're truly calling me to, to, to do this with you, then this is what you're going to get. Right? So when you come to Sundays, this is what you're going to get. Right? Because I don't like to wear a tie unless somebody pays me to wear one. 
right? I am comfortable in what you see me in. This is who God created me to be. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is who he created me to be. So I may not be the most eloquent speaker. I may not be the most talented. I may not have it all together. I may not pronounce words properly. I may not do a lot of things right. But rest assured, I know who I am in Christ. Rest assured that I know my calling. I have not chased anything over the last 20 years other than chasing God. Up until then, I chased everything and anything because they were shiny. If it shined, I was on it. But once God said, you be who you are, who I created you to be, I just began to walk. And he began to do some incredible things in my life. You design your life according to who God made you to be. I'm not trying to be no one else other than Ephraim Pena. At the end of the day, there's only going to be one Ephraim Pena. And when my time comes to come before the Lord, there's only going to be one Ephraim Pena before the Lord. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip uh, off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run the, uh, with endurance the race, the race God has set before us. God has given each and every one of us a race to run. Rick, you can't run my race, bro. And I can't run your race. Monty, you can't run my race. Right? No matter how much you like Coke, you can't run my race. Coca-Cola, that is. Each and every single one of us has been given a race to run. Stay in your Stay in your lane. And so if time management is pain management, what's worth suffering for? What, are, what is worth to you? What is it worth to you? What are the things that is worth you suffering for? What is worth fighting distractions for? If you don't know the answers to these questions, you don't know what to, you won't know what to stop or start doing in order to get where you want to get. Because you won't know what's important to you. And so the question is, what is important to you, so valuable to you that it's worth enduring the pain? Daniel 5 Excuse me, I skipped something here. Determining your schedule is about pre-deciding what's, what's worth suffering for. In other words, when you plan out 2020, when you set out to accomplish your goals and your expectations for this new year, you need to determine in your schedule, decide beforehand what are the things valuable to you in order, in order to accomplish what you need to accomplish. You got to set that, you got you to put that down, you got to put that 
in your book. You got to write this down. You got to set it in your heart. Because guess what? The world is coming after you. And it's going to try to take your time, your commodity, the thing that is most valuable to you, your time. It's going to try to suck that from you. And if you don't predetermine what is important to you, what are you going to invest your time in, right? You're going to end up at the end of the year like, where did it go? It's about determining what you can't afford not to do. The cost of not. You have to determine what that is. Because the truth is, not everyone does this. And the result, unfortunately, is regret. Think about it. 2019 came up, man, I didn't accomplish this. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. I didn't get to do it. I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to grow hair. I wanted, I wanted to do different things, right? The things that matter. Listen, growing hair for some people is important, right? My daughter was, Dad, grow your hair. No, I don't want to grow. Then I got to brush it. I don't want to brush my hair, right? It's not important to me, right? There are things that are valuable. And we get to the end of the year, the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, and we're like, we didn't accomplish it. And so the question is, did you predetermine to put in the time and the effort and endure the pain, right, in order to accomplish that so that there won't be any regrets at the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, or the end of the year? Later in the book of Daniel, this strange moment happens. And this is happening or is being said to King Nebuchadnezzar. And it says, Daniel, in Daniel 5, there's a writing on the wall. And it says, this is the message that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, and parson. Mene, mene, tekel, and parson. This is what these words mean. Mene means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tackle means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. And Parson, verse 28, means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and uh, Persians. And this was what was given to King Nebuchadnezzar. And it says, listen, God has numbered your days. And your reign. And it is, he has brought it to an end. You have been weighed on the balances. And unfortunately, you have not measured up. And because of that, your kingdom has now been divided and given to others. Church, if you don't want to get to the end of your life, only to realize, like, this king with unlimited access to excess that your days are numbered and because you didn't invest them well you came up wanting you came up short and all you had has been ripped away from you that is one scary thought Jesus said it this way, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet lose his soul? What does it profit for you to, to do everything that everybody else is asking you to do yet not do 
what God has called you and created you to be and do. But let me wrap this up here. In Luke chapter 10, this is a story of Martha and Mary as Jesus, again, was talking to them. He says, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, Jesus said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset about all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary, your sister, she's discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. What Jesus is saying here, church, is that you're worried and distracted about so many things. But not much of that really matters. Not much of that really truly matters. And in fact, one thing is ultimately important because it guides the rest. One thing should be at the top of your list. One thing should be priority because if you make that priority, then all of the fuss about everything else kind of goes away and it falls into its place. But dear friends, before you live, before you just live another year, today's what, the fifth, sixth, fifth, five days into it, 360 days left. Before you live just another year, maybe it's time to slow down and ask yourself this question. What is it? What is it you truly value? What is it that you truly value? That you hold dear to your heart? That you value the most? That you think about the most. That you don't want to share it with anybody. And is it evident in the way you have organized your life? Is it evident in the way that you have scheduled your life? Is it number one or is it number 3044? Have you rearranged your life to accommodate what values the most to you? I had a dog in Puerto Rico. I have a dog in Puerto Rico still there with his grandma. His name is Nico, the only boy in my house. I miss him dearly. But he became blind. He's a Chinese Sharpe. He became blind. And at first, it was kind of funny, not that he became blind, but he would walk into stuff. It was just like, bing, 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 like bing, bing. And I'm like, yes, I'm cruel. It's just funny at first, right? But I started realizing that it mattered to him because he's a, he's a temperamental dog. And then he would stop coming into the living room area because he couldn't recognize it. It didn't make sense to him. And we had to predetermine that we were going to make his life easy 
we valued Nico. We wanted him to not have to be mad at us and stay outside of the living room. Literally, he would just sit there and wouldn't come in. And so we wanted him to have an open space. So we rearranged our lives, our accommodations, so that he would be comfortable. And we took him out of the leash and we walked him around. And, and so he started sniffing and smelling and the echoes of things and of how sound bounced. And he realized that, oh, this is, this is open space. Not that you could see my dog go like this, right? But you could sense it. He no longer stayed on the outskirts of the living room, but he walked in and he ran it like it was his home. And I bring that up because we valued that. It mattered to us. What matters to you? What are the important things in your life? Because we can all agree that we've wasted a lot of time doing things. A lot of we've all wasted it doing silly stuff that didn't amount to much. But before you just live another year, maybe it's time to slow down and ask yourself, what is it you truly value? And is it evident in the way you organize your life? Because values Values are who we want to be. Who we want to be. What we want to stand for. And how we relate to the world around us. Those are values. So if I was to ask you today, who do you want to be? Your next reply matters so much. What do you want to stand for? It's so much weight. What do you want to relate? How do you want to relate to the world? What billboard do you want the world to know about you? Because whether you accept it or not, God has placed you here on earth with a purpose. What is it that you truly value? Because Jesus promises us that when we live according to a truly transcendent, beyond the norm, just the normal values, we will find peace. We will find comfort. We will find joy. When we begin to live our life, not trying to fit to this world, but when we truly live our life doing, living, to what God has called us, who he called us to be, called us to do, that it is then and there where we will find that which we've been looking for. Peace is the ability to calmly and effectively do with strength and joy that which really matters. matters to you? Can you do it with a joy in your heart, a smile on your face? 
So what needs to go on your calendar first this year? A lot of questions to start this year. What needs to go first on your calendar? What is it that when you emerge from it makes you feel awake and alive from the inside out, rested and refreshed and ready for what's next? What is that? Once you find out what that is, put it right at the top. Make it your priority. Do that. Slate that. Schedule around that. Prioritize that. Focus on that. Fight what distracts you from doing that. And in doing so, in doing so, even though you're going to go through some pain, even though you're going to waddle in it for a minute or so, even though you're going to find resistance, you're going to find challenges, because never once did I said it's going to be easy. You're going to have to endure some suffering. You're going to have to push through this. You're going to find that peace, that joy, that comfort. So tackle this year, church. Crush this year. I believe with all my heart, God's going to do something incredible in your life. But don't, do not give your time away from doing things that don't matter. Your attention, your time is high commodity. It is worth far greater than the dollar and gold and any treasure. Use it wisely. Invest it in the things that matter most. Amen.